Uh, when service is over, they don't even turn around and shake your hand. Uh, folk come through the door, they don't smile and greet you. And, and there's some churches I visited, when they treat me like that, I said, I ain't going back. Uh, you, you never know what folk are going through, what they're looking for in a church. And your smile may be the smile that grabs their attention. Or your lack of smile. Or sometimes we get so into ourselves. What we going through. What, what, uh, what trouble I'm in. The bills I got to pay. Let's leave all that at the door. And let's come in here and, and worship God uh, in spirit and, and in truth. Y'all all right this morning? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You don't mind standing on the read from Acts the 13th chapter and um, the first three verses. I'm, I'm, I don't want to say I'm nervous, but I'm, I'm, I'm a little, I'm a little, um, I feel awkward because this is not my inaugural sermon. Because I've been here and I've been back. And uh, so I, I was, I was, Asking the Lord to put the right sermon on my heart yes, uh, because I want to uh, uh, kind of give us some direction of where I hope the Lord will take us. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, so I'm not nervous, but I'm, I'm just feeling a little awkward because uh, I ain't trying to uh, prove to y'all that I can preach. All right. All right. All right. I ain't right. trying to prove that. Right. Right. So, uh, but then I know y'all want to hear some preaching. And uh, and then I want to I want to be true to the text, and I want I want to try to explain this text uh, and give you the intent of what the author was saying, and then make some application um, and motivate us to uh, higher heights. Acts chapter thirteen. I want to read the first three verses, and I'm reading out of New American Standard translation. Now. There were at Antioch. In the church that was there, prophets and teachers, Barnabas and Simeon, who was called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene, and Manian, who had been brought up with Herod, the Tetra, and Saul. While they were ministering to the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then, when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. That's the reading of the text, and all God's people said, Amen. 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 From this text, I want to use for a subject, thinking mm -hmm. outside the box. Okay. Okay. Thinking outside the box. And all God's people said amen. Amen. You may be seated. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord for his good. Yes. For his mercy and your sake. Let the name of the Lord say so. This phrase, thinking outside the box, is a metaphor. You, you've heard it before about individuals or groups of people who 
think outside the box. That simply means to think differently. It means to be unconventional in your approach or, or look at things from a new perspective. Uh, it refers to being novel or uh, creative thinking, to think outside the box. For example, I don't know if you follow basketball, but this NBA free agency yeah. uh, is, is, is somewhat of a novel idea because the players, uh, the ball players now have control. There, there was a collective bargaining agreement and now uh, the players, when they get to the end of their contract, they're not controlled by management. They can decide what team they want to play with. And, and you've got some of these superstars who are recruiting other stars, and they're creating these super teams. Right, right, right. So instead of allowing management to put the team together, the players have decided to think outside the box. Uh, they're simply saying, I, we want to win a championship. And uh, we're not going to leave it up to management. They, they may select us and we may sign a contract, but now uh, LeBron uh, James has got uh, Anthony Davis. And Kawhi Leonard, Leonard has got Paul George. And, and James Harden has gotten uh, Westbrook. And what they're trying to do is put star power together. Uh, and and putting star power together, thinking, are y'all following this? Yes, sir. Yeah. Yes, sir. By, by thinking outside the box, not thinking, not going the traditional way, not going the norm. Y'all gonna see it in a minute. Yeah, yeah. But but thinking outside the yeah. box, if LeBron can yeah. get yeah. AD, if yeah. Leonard can get Paul George, yeah. if Harden can get Westbrook, then the two of them together can do something better than one by himself. That, that, that's thinking outside the box. Well, I want to tell you this morning that God I serve thinks outside the box. He does the necessary in unnecessary ways. In the patriarchal dispensation, this, this God who thinks outside the box made a promise to Abraham. And he told Abraham, he said, look, I'm going to make you the father of many nations. I want you to look up in the sky. I want you to number the stars in the sky. And your seed will be as the seed, as the, as the stars that are in the sky. But, but, but watch how God did this. He thought outside the box. He waited until, he told Abraham to wait until he became an old man. He told him at 99. And then he had his son at 100. That, that's, that's unconventional, y'all. Right. You, you don't wait until you get old that's right. that's to right. start having children. That's right. But the God that I serve thought outside the box. Then, then I looked at the Mosaic dispensation where when Joshua uh, had, had uh, crossed over, uh, not the Red Sea, but crossed over Jordan. And then they get over there. And then they get to Jericho. And, and then they got to march around those walls, you, you know, one time for six days. And then on the seventh day, march around seven times. And then blow a trumpet. And the walls came tumbling down. That's thinking outside the box. That's not normal. That's unconventional. 
That's a novel idea. But then even in the Christian dispensation, the God that you and I serve is a God who thinks outside the box because this God decided that the church would become into establishment. It was the day of Pentecost. They were in Jerusalem. And the sound of a rushing mighty wind filled the house where they were sitting. They all spake in, in, in tongues. And then everyone, there were about 14 or 16 different nations under heaven that came to Jerusalem. And they all heard those men speak in their own tongues. And you know the story how on the day of Pentecost, uh, they uh, about 3,000 souls were baptized. The God that we serve thought outside the box. Before the day of Pentecost came, he met with 12 men and he told those 12 men, I want you to be my witnesses. I want you to start in Jerusalem. Then I want you to branch out into Judea, Samaria, and then the uttermost parts of the world. Well, when we get to Acts chapter 11 and then Acts chapter 13, we find the fulfillment of, of that command. They started in Jerusalem. 3,000 souls were baptized. They branched out into Judea and Samaria. When you read from Acts chapter 2 all the way up to Acts chapter 10. But then in Acts chapter 11, some folk from the persecution of Stephen, they go down to Antioch. And when they get to Antioch, there's some Greeks there. And, and they start preaching the word to the Greeks. And folk are baptized there. This God is thinking outside the box. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Right. It was an exciting time for the church. God was moving in the lives of believers. The word of God was preached. The spirit was speaking and things were changing for the better. Luke, the author of the book of Acts, recorded the witness of the gospel in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria. It was not a time for apathy. It was not a time for negativism. It was not a time for pessimism or uncertainty. The church was on fire for the Lord. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I think that if the church is going to be the church, yes, we have to be optimistic and energetic. Yes, if the church is going to be the church, we have to be progressive and aggressive. If the church is going to be the church, we have to be doctrinally stable and morally stable. That means we got to preach, we got to live what we preach and preach what we live. We got to know the book, stay in the book, preach the book, but then be living epistles outside these walls. It was a time where the church was alive. The church was making a difference in the community. When we get to Acts chapter 13, it's a turning point for the church. Let me hear you say turning point. It was a turning point for the Lord's church. The spotlight swings toward the progress of the gospel as it reaches the wider stages of the Roman world. Luke is fulfilling the theme of Acts 1.8. Start in Jerusalem, start at home, then branch out to Judea, then go to Samaria, then go to the uttermost parts of the world. I, I want you to get that. Start at home first. Get home folk. Uh, tell them about Jesus. Then you branch out and branch out and branch out. The church thought outside the box. This church at Antioch is a special church. It's not great like the church at Jerusalem. We call the Jerusalem church the mother church. It's not one of the seven churches of Asia that's mentioned in Revelation chapter 2 and chapter 3. But, but I like 
the church at Antioch. I even want to call the church at Antioch a model church. I, 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 I want you to hope well on the throne, 2106. I, I want you to look at the church at Antioch. And I think that if there's any church in the Bible that, that this church ought to model and want to imitate and want to be like, let's be like the church at Antioch. Because they thought outside the box. The church in Antioch was a diversified church. It was a church that crossed racial boundaries. Because you had Jew and Gentile. Acts 11 and verse 19, they spoke to the Jews only. But then in Acts 11 and 20, they also spoke to Grecian folk. And I've always, it's always been my passion, it's always been my belief that in a congregation, there ought to be some folk that don't look like you. There ought to be some folk up in here that look different from you, that talk different from you, that come from different backgrounds, that we ought to be able to have a melting pot in the Lord's church where we are colorblind, same as somebody. We, we are colorblind, and, and we can accept the little isms that other folk bring with them. That we're not gonna put folk in our little box. You gotta dress like I dress. You gotta talk like I talk. You gotta uh, 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 eat the food that I feed. Eat. We gotta realize that the church of my Lord ought to be a diversified church. Because if the same, if you are in the same, and you get to heaven. Guess what? They're going to be all colors up there in heaven. Can y'all go help me with this? It was a diversified church. But then with diversity comes some cultural issues that must be addressed. But not only were they a diversified church, they were a multi-staff church. They had prophets and teachers in the church at Antioch. Now, now, whenever you get more than one folk, one person in a place, egos gonna have to be changed. Where my church at this morning? You ain't got to say amen, but just be honest. I got an ego, and you got an ego. Got me somebody. But whenever you got more than one, see, you can deal with your ego all by yourself. But when you and somebody else get in a room, that's two egos, and, and, and folks don't always think the same way. But they made it work at Antioch. It was a church where egos had to be checked at the door. And then, thirdly, they were a ministry-focused church. It was a church that respected the will of Christ and they understood what being the church was all about. And I think we need to get to a point where we realize why did God save us in the first place? And then once we become saved, what is God expecting of saved folk? There's more to being saved than coming on Sunday morning, worshiping, praying, taking communion, giving my offering, and then going home. The saved ought to be in the business of saving others. Y'all got a minute here? Here's my preaching points from Acts chapter 13, verses 1 to 3. In verse number 1, I see a secure 
ministerial staff. Are y'all with me? Yes, sir. Watch this. The Bible said, your Bible said, now there were at Antioch okay. in the church that was there prophets and teachers. Yes, sir. And then he lifts the Holy Spirit through Luke, lifts the prophets and teachers. Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manian, who had been brought up with. Herod the Tetra and Saul. Five men. Watch this. Watch, watch the diversity. Watch what God does with these five men. You got Jews there. That's Saul and Barnabas. You got a Greek there. That's, that's Manian. Are y'all with me? Then you got two Africans there. Simeon, who is called Niger. And the word Niger means black. And Lucius was there. You, you, you got a Jew, you, you got a Greek, you got two black men in there, all in the same church at Antioch, all on the same staff, all working together to serve the Lord. What is notable about these five men is their racial, cultural, and, and social diversity. I've already told you, two are from Africa. They, they black folk. They look like me. They look like you. They're from Northern Africa. But now, they in the church. It ain't where you came from. It's where God is putting you now. I came from Dayton, Ohio. You came from wherever you were born. You, you came from somewhere. All of us came from somewhere. But I'm so glad I ain't the same I used to be. I'm in the church right now. And, and once the Lord puts you in the church, can't nobody put you out of the church. And, and, and not you, you, you make look, some of us have a rough road. Am I talking to anybody? If, somebody, if, if, if we could peep into your corner, we could peep into your closet, some of us have a testimony that would make us cry, it would make us shout, we would feel sorry. But look, it ain't where you came from, it's where you are right now. I'm in the church of Christ. And God put us in the church. But they came, these two black men from Northern Africa. Then you got Barnabas. Then you got Saul. And then you got Manian, who was brought up with Herod the Tetrarch. And some say he was a false brother. Some say he was a, 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 a political figure. Some say he had some high social status, but it don't matter where you came from, when God touches you and puts you in the church, you ought to realize you become somebody. Watch this. With these men also come personalities. Are y'all with me? Simon and Lucius, Africans. Manning, tight with Herod. Political figure. Saul and Barnabas. Diverse functionality, diverse personalities. Look at Barnabas. When you read about Barnabas, he's like, he's a passive kind of man. Uh, he's got a type B personality. Uh, Barnabas is the kind of man who would give you the shirt off his back. Y'all know people like that? 
There are people who will literally just give you the shirt off their back. They ain't looking for nothing in return. Acts chapter 4, when they start meeting the needs of, of, of Christians that, and they start selling their possessions that, and, and giving the proceeds to the apostles, it was Barnabas who had a piece of land. He sold it and he gave the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Barnabas was the kind of man who would come to your rescue. If, if somebody is offending you, if somebody taking advantage, somebody messing over you, somebody trying to walk over you, Barnabas would speak up for you. You remember Acts chapter 9? After Saul was converted, uh, he came to Jerusalem and there were some Christians there, folk in the church, who didn't believe that Saul was genuine. There were folk in the church who was uh, looking at Saul with their eye wide open and, and looking with a side eye. There were folk in the church. I, I can't tell you, some of us can be in the church and not be converted. Here's a man that was baptized. And the Lord saved him. But because of his background, some folks did not believe that Saul was a Christian. But thank God for Barnabas. Because Barnabas spoke up and, and, and brought Saul to the apostle and vouched for Saul. I can't even tell you, every now and then you need somebody who will speak up on your behalf. You don't have to defend yourself. You ain't got to tell folk uh, what happened in your life and, and, and go back in your history. You know there are some folk who like to pull stuff up from your past. Yeah. And you know why they do that? Because they don't want you to get in their past. And so they talk about yours before you can talk about them. But we need a Barnabas in the church. Matter of fact, we need a whole bunch of Barnabas. We, we need folks who will come here, and not only did Barnabas come to the rest of Saul, but, but in Acts 13, Acts 15, uh, 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 Paul and, and, and Barnabas fell out. Because in Acts 13, when, when they left on this first missionary journey, matter of fact, this is the first missionary journey of Saul uh, that we're going to find. But when Saul and Barnabas left on this first missionary journey, they took John Mark with them. And John Mark is a relative of Barnabas. But when they went on this first missionary trip, for whatever reason, John Mark quit on Paul. He went back. And, and then when Paul and Barnabas got ready to visit other cities, Barnabas wanted to take John Mark. And Saul said, no, nah, I don't think we ought to take John Mark because John Mark left us on the trip. I cannot depend on John Mark. I don't want to take somebody on me on this trip that I can depend on. And the contention was so sharp between Paul and Barnabas that they had to separate from one another. But the thing I like about Barnabas is he had a heart for other people. We need folk like that yes, sir. Amen. in the church, on your staff. Are y'all with me? But then watch Paul. Paul, Paul, different kind of fella. Paul, Paul, Paul ain't like Barnabas. Barnabas got a type B personality. Paul got a type A personality. Type A, he, he's an alpha male. Y'all, he, you know, he macho. Uh, uh, Paul, Paul is kind of, he's a take charge kind of guy. He, he's the kind of guy who ain't going to back down. I mean, he's the kind of guy who would say things like this. Though we are an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel, let him be a curse. In other words, he's the kind of guy that he saw Peter being a hypocrite uh, when, uh, he was, when the Jews wasn't around, Peter was eating with the Gentiles. But when the Jews came, Peter started acting like he don't know the Gentiles. And Paul said, I ain't taking that. And he withstood Peter to his face. Paul was the kind of man who would say, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God 
under salvation. He had a type 8 personality. He was an alpha male. He was macho. He needed to take the lead. He had to be in charge. But watch this. When they came to Antioch, they checked their ego. Y'all see where I'm going? Every one of us got an ego in here. All your leaders have egos. And none of them are the same. And you can't make a type A be a type B. And you cannot make a type B be a type A. But what you can do is pray that type A and type B love the Lord enough when they'll check their ego at the door. How's that with them? You see, you see, you see, you see, you see. And then Paul and Barnabas couldn't look down on Simeon and Lucius because they were black. You know, if you dealt with if you dealt with other races uh, enough, sometimes other races feel superior, and they want to make you feel inferior. But I can't tell you when we come to Christ, we're on the same level. Y'all want to help with it? Yes, sir. All right, all right. So, verse number one, I see a secure ministerial staff, and when I say secure, that means you got to know who you are. And you got to feel good about yourself. Say amen to right. you, you, you know, it, 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 listen, listen. That's right. When the preacher preached, he likes to hear that was a good sermon. When the teacher teaches, uh, they like to hear that was a good job you did. Yep. You know, but you cannot depend That's on right. that. That's right. Because whether folks say amen and pat you on the back or not, right. you gotta feel good about That's yourself. Right. That's right. Y'all with me? That's right. you, you gotta feel good about yourself. That's right. And then uh, I see a spiritual ministerial staff. Okay. See, they were secure. They were secure. Knowing I'm type A, I'm type B, I'm passive, I'm aggressive. Uh, I come from. Africa, you know, I'm a different kind of guy, but look, I'm in the ministry now. That's right. I, I'm in the church now, and and, and we the leaders now, and, and there's prophets and teachers that, and we all got to work together. But not only do you have to be secure in that, but you got to realize that uh, you have a spiritual ministry, a spiritual ministry, and, and that's where the rubber meets the road because, you know, y'all gonna hear me say this a lot. I see folk trying to secularize, secularize the sacred. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And what I mean by that is we bring the world into the church. Yeah. And, and, and the church is supposed to go into the world and not become worldly. But the world comes into the church and becomes spiritual. Can I say that again? The church goes into the world not to become worldly. But we go into the world to help the world become spiritual. Yes, sir. And, and what we have is, watch what, watch what this staff was doing. Watch verse 2. Verse 2 said, while they were ministering to the Lord and fast. In other words, these prophets and teachers were busy. These prophets and teachers were serving. These prophets and teachers were worshiping. And while they were worshiping and while they were fasting, the Holy Spirit spoke to them. They served. And not only did they serve, they disciplined themselves. 
Fasting is a spiritual discipline. Fasting is a discipline. You, you, you can fast for medicinal purposes. You, you can even fast for cosmetic purposes. What, what I mean by that is the doctor may tell you to stop eating some stuff to keep you alive. Or you may be trying to lose weight and get your physique back in shape. That's cosmetic. But there are times when the child of God just ought to fast to get closer to God. And during that fast, you are praying. During that fast, you are reading scripture. During that fast, you are acknowledging your sin. During that fast, you are confessing your sin. During that fast, you are meditating on the word because you want to be as close to God as possible. And you realize you're not going to depend on food for your energy, but you're going to depend on the word of God. That's why Jesus, when he was in the wilderness fasting for 40 days, he told the serpent, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. Get away from uh, uh, from folk. Go away to a private area. Get, spend some hours alone, just you and God. Turn the TV off. Turn your cell phone off. Turn the radio off and just get in your closet and fast and pray. So these five men realized their ministry was spiritual. And they were secure enough to work as a team. So they realized, why do we do what we do? Well, why are we at Antioch? So I want you to ask yourself a question. Why are you at 2106 on the You know, why, why are you here? Why, why do you do what you do? What's the motive? And what's the intent? Behind what you do. Well, in Antioch, the prophets prophesied, the teachers taught, and God was glorified. Amen. See, the bottom line is you serve to glorify God. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Can I get an amen? Yes, sir. No, somebody said, I serve because I want my name in the book. <laughs> I serve because I want men to praise me. No. We serve so God will get the glory. Right. Yes, so you got to know who you are. You got to know whose you are. That's right. And then lastly, not only, not only was they secure, and not only were they uh, a secure ministerial staff, and not only were they a spiritual ministerial staff, they were a sensitive okay. ministerial staff. Okay. Verse 3. Well, verse 2, part B, the Holy Spirit said, separate apart from me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I called them. Okay. Then, when they had fasted and prayed, y'all see that? Mm -hmm. The church laid hands on them and sent them away. The first missionary journey began because the group was sensitive to the mission of the church. Listen, listen. Everything we do as a church ought to have behind it the intent of saving souls. Okay. 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 I mean, I say as a church. Now, now when you do stuff outside the boundaries of the church, you, you may have some other intentions. But when we come together as a church, the bottom line is, how does this save a soul? Yes, sir. Yeah. All right. All right. You know, how does this save a soul? Now, when I talk about saving a soul, 
I'm not just talking about an unbeliever. Uh, of evangelism. Of course, you know, or whatever. You, when, when you have a program, uh, you need to ask, uh, how will this save an unbeliever? But not only does it save an unbeliever, it has to edify those who are already saved. That's right. That's right. That's right. But what I'm seeing in the Lord's church is we spend more time edifying the saved, and we neglect those who are unsaved. And then we get comfortable. We get comfortable. Sometimes we get so comfortable, and all our programs are inward. All our pro programs are inbred. We, we just do things for us. We just do things to make us feel good. There's no outreach whatsoever. There's nothing that attracts the unbeliever. There's nothing that gets their attention. And you already say You already know the plan of salvation. You already know the core beliefs. You, you're in the right church. But your neighbor don't know that. So what you have to do is become sensitive to what the Spirit is saying and the Holy Spirit is, is saying to us that God saved us so that we can be in the business of saving others. You gotta be sensitive to that. I mean, you gotta think evangelism. You gotta think Christ. You gotta think that somebody's lost. You gotta, that's gotta be your passion. I mean, you, you can't be satisfied with 74 kids. You can't be satisfied. I wish I had an amen now. I said, you can't be satisfied with 74. You look on your pew. You can't be satisfied with the gaps in the pew. You, you need somebody sitting next to you. you. You can't be satisfied with an empty pew in front of you and an empty pew behind you. You can't be satisfied. Some of us, instead of being satisfied, we need to be sensitive to what the Holy Spirit has asked us to do. And the call is to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature because he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. That's our mission. That's our mission. And we need to repent when we quit doing the mission. The first missionary journey we came be, began because this group, this church, when the Spirit spoke, the whole church listened. Say so, amen. Now, how does the Spirit speak today? He's not going to speak audibly, but he speaks through his word. Am I right? He speaks through his word. So here's some reflections. In many ways, the church at Antioch is a model church. It's the kind of example our churches should strive to be like. It, it was a church with a plurality of gifted leaders who zealously, zealously and selflessly served the Lord. It was a church with a multi-ethnic uh, body reflecting the fact that the gospel not just for one particular group. It was a church sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit. But there's some takeaways that I want you to have. There's some takeaways because you can't make a sermon relevant than the sermon what we're preaching in the first place. But what I want you to get from Acts chapter 13, verses 1 through 3, I've already mentioned that there, number one, there was a lion in the way. And what I mean by lion in the way is Paul and Barnabas were co-workers, but they were different people. Simeon and Niger was from Africa. Manian had some ties to Herod. He was either a political figure or he had some social standing. But the egos had to be checked. That's right. Are y'all ready? That's right. You don't need about talking behind each other's back and all that kind of stuff. You got to be real this moment. 
You got to look at the, you got to look at your Bible. Yes, sir. Amen. The church at Antioch just didn't have one preacher. That's right. The church at Antioch had prophets and teachers. Can y'all say amen? And you got to look at that. And because we are flesh, and I've said this before, you know, folk are sensitive, and some folk are more sensitive than other folk are, and sometimes we can become insensitive, but we got to realize if we're going to make it to heaven, we got to get along down here. And I've learned and you learn that some people you gotta be long suffering. <laughs> Am I right about that? You, you gotta be long suffering with. You gotta suffer long with some folks. Cause if you be if you would if you would tell the truth, don't look at nobody when I say this, don't look, don't tell them this. But if you and I both know some folks that get on your last nerve. There's some folk in your life, I mean, there's some folk that just have the ability. They have the ability. And you know why they have the ability? Because you give them the power. That's right. You, you give some folk the power. Some folk don't even know they got it. That's right. And we give folk the power to get on our last nerve. And what I come to realize, if that's my last nerve, I want to save it. I don't want to lose it. Are y'all with me? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. There are lions in the way. Yeah, yeah. And you cannot just act like the lion is not there. But you have to check the ego at the door. Yes, sir. And then secondly, take away, think outside the box. Yeah. Now when I say think outside the box, make sure that the box that you're thinking from is the Bible. Yes, don't, don't sit here and come yes, up with some grand idea that goes against scripture. Yes, sir. Right. But if the church is going to grow, yes, sir. We got to get to a point where anything that's biblical, we can do it. Am I talking about it? I said anything biblical. Now, now, now listen, listen. I know y'all. Yeah, we know each other. I know. See what what what, what folks like to do is they like to come up with an idea for somebody else to do. No, if, if, if there's a ministry that, that you want, that if there's a ministry that you good at, there's a ministry that you're willing to commit yourself to. Uh, uh, and, and, and you gonna give your time, you gonna give your blood. Then, then let's sit down and let's let's talk about how can we as a church uh, support that ministry? How can you be a vital part? Are y'all following this? I mean, you you got you got to think outside the box because I don't mean no harm, brother. I don't mean no harm. But 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 one one somebody said if you keep doing the same thing. The same way, but expecting different results. That's insanity. That's right. That's right. Amen. That's right. When I came here in 87, y'all had 40 members. Amen. About. That's right. Now, last week, you had 70. If you keep doing the same thing, the same way. You're going to get the same results. Yeah, Do I have something else? Yes, now, now, I'm not your savior. I'm not the expert in it like that. But I'm willing to think outside the box. Because if you have me with seven, I didn't come here for seven. Amen. That ain't why I'm coming. That's right. That's right. That's right. But you got to think outside the box. Yes, and I think that God is placing us. I'm talking about us. I ain't talking about me. I'm talking about us. That's right. That's 
in a strategic place with gifted people who can check the eagle at the door and love the Lord. Y'all want to say amen. God told you I'm going to tell the end of my ministry. I'm not playing with this stuff. I'm, I'm more serious than a heart attack. But if you're satisfied with where you are, then you and God ain't on the same page. So you got to think outside the box. But the box has to be the Bible. The word of God. And then my last takeaway. My last takeaway now. I want y'all to get this now. First takeaway is check the ego at the door. Let me hear y'all say check ego at the door. Second takeaway is think outside the body. Let me hear you say think outside the body. Now here, here's the third one. Great things happen when the church partners with God. Y'all want to help with this? I said great things happen when the church partner with God. I'm not talking about God partnering with you. I'm talking about you and I partnering with God. Because I serve a great God. He's good and he's great all at the same time. And with God, all things are possible. Say amen, somebody. God can take a nobody and make them a somebody. And then that somebody ought to tell everybody about somebody who can save anybody. Am I right about it? Great things, big things happen when the church of Christ, brothers and sisters, old and young, tall and short, black and white, Partner with Almighty God. Amen. 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 Oh, yeah, I think great things can happen. When we, you and I, the body of Christ, the body of believers, individuals who've been washed by the blood of the Lamb, folk have been sanctified. You used to be crankified, now you're sanctified. And now we're in the business of terrifying the devil. Say this Some of us are willing to ride solo. 
out in this world without God, without Christ, and having no hope. Man, there ain't no help when you ride solo. You need to come to Jesus. You need to come to Jesus. If you're not a Christian, you need to come to Jesus. Man, a shooting could take place in Hopewell, Virginia. That's right. That's right. You need to come to Jesus. You come by faith. You come repenting of your sin. You come making a noble confession of Jesus Christ as the Son of the living God. And then you're baptized in water for remission of your past sins. And God will add you to the church. Then he'll give you some help. Say amen, somebody. You ain't got to ride solo no more. Say amen, somebody. You can't see this help. You, you, you can't feel this help. But the help is the Holy Spirit who dwells inside of you. And why would you want to walk in this world solo? Amen. Well, you can have God and Christ and the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of you. Oh, yes. Yes, yes, yes. Protecting you. Say amen, somebody. Well, one of the prayers, brother, we taught a great lesson this morning. I like that thing. I appreciate that. I'm glad we spend time on prayer. But when we look at the Lord's Prayer, part of the Lord's Prayer is deliver us from evil. Yes, yes, yes. See, if you're not a Christian, you can't even ask God to deliver you or protect you from evil. Say amen now. You need to be a child of God in right standing just to ask God to keep you safe from evil. So why walk around here so long? That's right. All by yourself. You ain't that bad. Say amen. You ain't that tough. You need some help. Say amen if you can. And your help comes from the Lord. And then if you're a child of God, 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 and you just need to rededicate your life. You're a child of God, and your ego has been so big, you couldn't even get through the door. Talk back to me now. Everything's about you and about uh, what's going on in your life. It ain't about you. It's about God working in your life. Just check that ego at the door. Because time is too short to be playing church. It's too short. Man, we've seen too much. We've gone through too much. Man, I, just in my own life, in my own memory, since I left here, I've seen too much. We can't be playing church. You're here today, don't do the same thing. And you're ready, you're ready, you're ready, you're ready, you're ready, you're ready. You're ready to partner with God. Mm -hmm. When you come, when you come, as we sing, this song of encouragement, when you come. When the trumpet of the Lord sounds out, the time shall be no more. And the morning breaks his turn, I'll rise and fade. When the Savior first will gather over.